What's going on, everybody? It's Javon Dotsia here again for another episode of 100 Ways to Make 100K, where we're on the hunt to find 100 different ways to make 100 grand a month. In this episode, I want to introduce you to someone by the name of Mike Dunn from the store 1922. Now, I stumbled upon this store by accident, you know, shopping for a friend. You know, it's not often that you meet someone that was once so high up in corporate that left and started their own thing. So he's got a very interesting story. And if you're in corporate thinking about making that jump, I think you're going to get a lot of value from this episode. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited to introduce you to Mike Dunn. So what's going on, man? How you doing? Feeling good, man. Thanks for having me on the episode. Yeah, I know. It's a pleasure chatting with you. What was your name? My name is Mike Dunn from 1922, baby. Mike, it's such a pleasure meeting you. Now, I got a question for you. Do you remember the first time that you made 100 grand in a year? I do. Okay, man. Yeah. You, you take us back to that time. What was going on in your life? Where were you? What were you doing? I'd love to hear a little bit about it. Yeah, no, very cool. Okay, so um, 1922 was founded and we opened in June 12th of 2022. So we've had the pleasure and the insanity to be able to have 100K a month. Uh, and we've made well over a uh, million dollars in a single year. So it's been pretty, uh, it's been pretty intense in either way, on either side. So when was that month? So the first month we hit, shit, man. Uh, can I swear? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, man. Live so your the, life. It's okay. So fuck shit, yeah. I mean, like the, the first time we hit it, fuck. Um, October 2020, we were four months into operating here. Um, and it's like we got shot out of a cannon. Um, yeah, so basically we ended up making $147,000 in that month of October, which is insane. Uh, subsequently in November and December, we also made 100K that month and then COVID restrictions, lockdowns, everything else kind of um, came in and, and, and impacted the rest of it. But yeah, I had the opportunity to be able to do that one month. It was pretty crazy. Dude, that must have been surreal. So yeah, like we had to, we had to, so like, you got to remember like when you're, when you're a new business and you hit the ground running that fast, Cash flow is always uh, the most pressing because as you as you're growing, you don't you don't necessarily have the cash to fund the future growth. So, believe it or not, in a in a in a tale and a story. So we you know this is early days. People were really looking to get into the industry, looking how to invest. And believe it or not, I needed 100k bad. I needed 100k just to throw in inventory to fulfill the demand that we were having because like the curve we were going at was so aggressive. Um, so a customer, believe it or not came in the store he said he had went to four or five different locations no sorry like 20 locations came in our team was here he spent 500 bucks looked around said this is dope give me the emails give me the email to the owner so lo and behold literally 20 minutes later he emailed Brooke and I other future uh, also hustling dude entrepreneur really successful guy we had a meeting at Betty's which is our local dive bar down the street and basically, we put a deal together in good faith on principle for 100K uh, before legal paperwork, before anything. He cut us a check. We threw that immediately into inventory and that funded basically the October, November, and December uh, over 100K months that we had to be able to fulfill. Interesting. Yeah. So, so crazy. A customer of ours believed in the concept that much. He turned around and gave us 100K to fulfill the demand. That's crazy. Yeah. So what were you doing before you opened the store? I'd love yeah. to learn more. Yeah, good question. So I spent, um, I'd say let's call it roundup, let's say 13 years in uh, telco. So Rogers for, I don't know, let's call it seven years, Bell for seven years, uh, both on the business to business and business to consumer markets, predominantly in wireless, um, you know, in pricing revenue kind of operations, IT sort of like core marketing functions. Okay. Um, at Bell, when we were leaving, probably the portfolio was about $4.3 billion. 
wow. uh, that 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 uh, the team was managing. So yeah, that's a that's big, an interesting... big corporate big corporate background to coming into this. So from big corporate to I guess like small medium retail, big retail. Well, big retail. I don't even know soon. how. Yeah, I wouldn't even know how to label it. Let's, <laughs> let's just let's just call it your own hustle. Yeah. So what yeah. made you want to leave corporate? Right, like being at such a something that seems so stable, one of the companies that have been around forever you know to leave and want to open up your own thing like what made you want to do that man that's crazy um and i'd say anyone listening is probably in a similar situation potentially to me um i think for me personally maybe that differs to other people is i overachieved um i'd say i overachieved in my younger years and i got thrown into a life i didn't necessarily know was going to happen but when you're when you're having success you got job titles you got money i think that was a big motivation and driver to keep doing it and keep the hustle going and then being great at what you do getting poached by another company to solve their problems i just turned 40 this year it just kind of got to a place probably when i was like 35 of just feeling really unfulfilled the money wasn't the motivation the job title wasn't the motivation and the problem to solve for had just become a little redundant and it just wasn't as exciting anymore so i was looking for vehicles and places where I could potentially go. And when I saw that the um, the Ford administration was potentially going to open up cannabis retail to privatization, that really got my interest. So that was probably like 2016. So I started doing research and uh, my wife and partner, who's not in, uh, in the frame right now, but um, she started to study the social problems. I started to study the business problems and just started modeling, man. Honestly, it just became an obsession and just started going deeper and deeper and deeper. And then, yeah, I mean, it, it became that moment of truth where it's like, I could keep going with what I'm doing or I could bet on myself. So it became that moment of truth, man. So it's like, keep going with that traditional path, which was fuck man it's a safe path like um the safest path and hmm. if i were to put it in like literal words that people can probably relate to and grasp it was like i was getting pushed to the middle i was good but i wasn't great right like i'm i'm making money but i'm not rich i'm not like you're just kind of i got pushed into this middle spectrum and where i thrive is in chaos so mm -hmm. i was looking for vehicles to get on the edges where where things are a little more aggressive yeah but yeah i mean like i left um I personally left uh, like 12 years of institutional knowledge and success behind to bet on myself. And it's, um, it's scary, man. It's terrifying. And everyone should feel that terrified. Yeah. What was, uh, what, what were some of the things going through your head as like you made that transition out and actually started? Oh man. Thought like thoughts going through my head. Yeah. Oh, love to fuck. Hear. You got to remember like we're, you know, so Brooke and I chose to be bootstrapped to do this. I think, you know, I think there's two ways of doing this. You can either go raise a lot of money and um, have more people help you with a vision and how to execute, or you can choose to go down a path where you're going to self-fund, bootstrap. And it, and that's the, the way we ended up doing it. So it's it was crazy, man. Like you have to be the subject matter expert. You have to have a vision. You have to have um, everything in a row to be able to go do it. So the thoughts going through my head are, were fucking endless, bro. Like you got to remember I'm working a 90 hour career job, high intensity, seven days a week and doing this at the same time. So it's all mm -hmm. been a blur. I really haven't had a, a second to breathe in two and a half years. Let's call it three years. So, Jeez. uh, yeah, the thoughts were endless, bro. Well, it's still endless. It doesn't end. It's like a sickness. Yeah. Yeah. Holy smokes. man. <laughs> so I guess it, I guess we kind of skipped a hundred in a year and kind of yep. got straight into a hundred in a month. Sure. Now, uh, have you ever done a hundred in a day? No, Ooh, I wish that would be, I think those were early days in the, yeah. in, uh, some of my peers, I think probably the first stores that were opened, mm -hmm. you know, the first 25 in the lottery probably had the, uh, 
the novelty to be able to say that, but yeah. you know, who knows in the future, but you know, for me, I look at it more in the longer term, it's months, quarters, years to be yeah. able to get that versus make a fast dollar in, in a day. Understood. So what, uh, what were some of the lessons you think, um, that you've, uh, that you've kind of carried from corporate over to here? Um, or well, I wouldn't necessarily say they're lessons. I'd say yeah. like my look, like we can make this really complicated and it's really not like, mm -hmm business is just a never it's just creative problem solving and, and critical problem solving so like my mentality from you know coming from bell this hasn't changed mm -hmm. how do you acquire how do you upsell how do you cross sell how do you retain and how do you make more money where there's opportunities like the mindset hasn't changed for me it's mm -hmm. i've just switched how to sell an iphone to an eighth interesting <laughs> so my philosophy my approach to things haven't changed my demeanor um and the way i've done it is the way that i want to do business not in a stereotypical kind of like traditional way of like, you know, suit, tie, tucked in shirt sort of uh, vibe, but like my mentally, my mindset hasn't changed. Interesting. So you, you narrowed it down to, uh, for it was, you said, how do, how do you buy? How do you sell, cross sell, upsell? Yeah. Break that down for me for one sec. Yeah. So I mean like generally with like, you know, coming from a core marketing background, right? So I think this would, this would dovetail in anyone that's been in sales operations, IT, you would have elements of this, but mm -hmm. you know, effectively like how do you how do you acquire a customer so like what are the what are the mechanisms what's the pricing strategy how do you delight someone to to convert them because i think that's what people necessarily don't understand about this business that it's it's really a base it's a monthly recurring it's not necessarily mcdonald's where it's machine gunning people in and out i'd say probably eight out of every 10 customers that come in the store are here once a week oh wow so the other two are acquisition they could just be from the hood or they come in and join that eight percent and the ball ball starts to get a bit bigger so it's you know that's how you requiring you know upsell cross sales the critical way of looking at it so like if if i know through data and through segmentation that you spend twenty dollars every time you're in the shop what's a product i can put in front of you to try to get two dollars out of you how do i get five dollars out of you what's the product value proposition what's the consumer value proposition does that make sense and can i constantly be taking people and moving them to places to try to solve the problems for the business so it's pretty traditional and just may not be said point blank period from a lot of people in these aspects but upsell cross sell is huge now, now we've seen stores specifically retail yeah close down left right and center um but you're still here you know yeah four years here, with 40 more to go right so, so like, i'd say that like it, it's um there's a lot of feelings on this and there's a lot of the water cooler talk i, I try to look, be very unemotional about it and just try to be binary with the thinking so mm -hmm. like you know, I would look at retail, restaurants, probably bars as proof of concept and that concept of how you want your space to look, feel and the subsequent cost that comes with it. You know, that's that's basically what you're looking at. And I think the four problems you're trying to solve for is can can your concept ge generate revenue or like people through the door in downtown Toronto specifically? You need to be making 35% margin to be able to survive unless you got a shitload of revenue or people walking through the door. You need cheap rent and you need cheap people. Now living in Toronto to be a hustler and being in this business, we know rents, cheap rent's not a thing. We know people aren't cheap to get. So really you're banking on velocity of how many people can come out the door and how do you make as much money from that with being fair and not ripping people off. So it's a constant, it's a constant balance. Hmm. And what do you think you know, or not what do you think, but like if you were to describe your concept to some of the viewers, you know, maybe they might want to try, what would you, how would you break that down? Uh, so yeah, like our concept, I'll answer the question slightly different. So I'd say like um, from the brand standpoint, like 
Look, if you're talking about concept, I think you really got to dig into what is the problem you're trying to solve. So there's going to be a social aspect and there's going to be a business aspect. So what Brooke and I did at the early days where we were really pedantic about what are the problems that we think we're trying to solve for and reverse engineer to build the brand and a store around it. So like really early days, you know, it became wildly obvious of the social construction, the stigma, like 1922 for anyone that doesn't know represents the last year cannabis was legal before being criminalized. The first cannabis crime was actually in 1937. So you can just do the math on, it was legalized and stigmatized for no legal precedent until 14 to 15 years later. So there's the shame, there's the guilt, and then there's how people react to that. So it can be by gender, it can be by race, it can be by age. And how do you build an inclusive environment to try to solve for those problems? Now, I'm not saying we're right. We're just saying that was the problem that we looked at to try to solve for. I mean, that's why our concept is the concept it is. It's open windows, there's plants, it's welcoming. Like if your mom wouldn't come in and your lady wouldn't come in or your significant other, to us, that wasn't good enough. We wanted uh, accessibility. So I'd say that's probably like the brand's concept. And then from the literal sense, we chose to do small, quick serve and be in like liberal gentrifying population dense places like we are in, in Old Town Toronto. So that was kind of like, you know, broad strokes. That was, those were our concepts. And, you know, we're competing against people that took the exact opposing side of that. They went major markets, $25,000, $30,000 rents, excess everywhere. And at the end of the day, we all get to a similar place, but it's more just the way of how you get it. But like, that's more of a them problem. We're focusing on us. But yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was our concept, bro. Interesting, man. And it seems to be working. So kudos to you. We're just doing it our way, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel, you know, while it's, you know, we're, we're talking about the glamorous parts of this biz right now, but like make no, I want to be clear to anyone watching this episode. Like it's not fucking easy. Every day is torture. Every day it's, it's something, but at the end of the day, it's, it's your, it's, it's, you get the way to solve the problem for yourself. So it, it's a blessing at the same time, but like, it doesn't come without its hard falls, man, for sure. Definitely. But yeah, we're happy to be here. We're happy to be doing it. We don't necessarily see it. I think, I think most people watching this, I think that's a key thing. I think, you know, to articulate to let you know, like, you're probably never going to see the success. Like you're never going to view it how other people would view it. Um, I hope over time that that becomes different. I feel like I'm a dude looking like my nose is against the wall and I'm not looking at this painting and I haven't had time to step back to see what we've created yet just because we're so fucking in it. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a common problem with most people in situations like myself. But it's, it's flattering to hear the recognition and the words from you know, our community, our base, winning awards, all that kind of shit. Nice. So what, how would you define success? You know, a load of question. That's a good one. Um, I think that's well, keeping the lights on, obviously, I think there's, there's low bars for success, which is, you know, being able to keep a business open and have a quality of life that's meaningful for, for Brooke and I, but I think more in the, in the success for me is a little bigger than that. It's changing stigma. It's changing construction. It's look, let's be brutally honest. Like we're two white people working in an industry that's wrecked marginalized communities that has a ton of baggage like people can't have jobs because they have cannabis possession crimes so like we really take our platform seriously on how to like address those things through systematic change 
and this isn't trying to sound noble or anything, but it's like we did a collab with uh, Ace Valley. I guess it would have been two summers ago. They funded the clothing. We did a campaign. It was called Natural High Society. We sold 250 pieces of between bucket hats, t-shirts, shorts. I can say in the links afterwards. But anyways, we donated. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. It was a, it was like a couple thousand dollars. But what it did was we worked with Cannabis Amnesty, who's a non-for-profit group that helps facilitate the legal paperwork for people to get the cannabis possession charges off their record. And we were able to get six people exonerated from their records. So, you know, when I talk about success, yeah, it's keeping the lights on. It's the business. But for, for Brooke and I, it's a little more, it's bigger. It's, it's a little bigger picture and broader of, of how to how to do more change than just be self-serving and make money for ourselves, if that yeah. makes sense. No, 100%. You man. know what I mean? I'm not trying to sound noble or fucking high and mighty and or anything like that, but that's kind of where where my, where our intentions lie. Yeah. No, I, I, I respect that a lot, man. And I appreciate you sharing. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, curious, if you were to go back, right, and talk to, like, let's say the corporate Mike behind the desk, you know, suit and tie, Mike, you know, four point whatever billion under management, yeah. Mike, right? Like, what, what, what type of conversation would you have with him? You know, what do you think he would ask you? What do you think you would ask him? Like, what would the advice be? I'm, I'm curious, just like, what the now Mike and that old Mike would have a conversation about. Loaded question. Um, hmm. I think for one, it's, you know, when you're, when you're in, when you're in infrastructure, like, look, if you work for a big company like Bell or Rogers, Mm -hmm. they're too big to fail. Like they're designed not to fail. So, you know, your contribution and your influence and your role and your org and what you do is, is important. But I think that the first thing would be no fucking ego. Um, you know, you think, you know, things, but you're, you're looking very much from the outside, looking in at things for specifically do problems with like telco. Yes. You have influence, but like when you're truly on the inside looking out, man, we've made a lot of mistakes, bro. For as, as much as, for as much as gone right, we've, we've, we've made just as many mistakes. So I think that would be the pep talk probably to myself was to be probably more humble. Listen, like, look, I've had, I've had investors, I've had my friends, I've had other people that I trust, you know, for two years, try to tell us things. And, and it's a, probably a blessing and a curse when you're so, when you're so fixated on a problem, you think, you know, the answer on the journey to get it and you're not willing to take in that information. I think that's probably the biggest probably thing is, is shut the fuck up and listen Jeez. and really take into consideration what people ahead of you have done. So you're not repeating the same mistakes, but at the same time, you know, as an adult, sometimes you got to scrape your knees for you to figure it out. So mm-hmm. that probably be more what it's around would be being a little more humble, a little more open um, versus so fixated on the exact thing you you wanted to do. But I think that's that's probably common to everyone. But like, yeah, that's probably the pep talk. Nothing like literal or too too specific, more just be more humble, be more open. Um, and especially on things you don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Right? So, so, I mean, like it just goes to a philosophy, right? Like if you don't know things, what do you do? Do you pay someone or do you man the fuck up and do it yourself? Geez. Like when you come into a corporate environment, like it's designed for you to bring other people in to solve a problem, right? So it's like hire this person, have this person work, pay some vendor to do this. And then you kind of like, that's the corporate mentality, right? Is like you pay other people or you bring in other people to solve problems. Really what I'm trying to say is that's, that philosophy is why my contemporaries have gone out of business and why we're still here is we change that. We change that philosophy pretty drastically and pretty hard. 
I don't know when you put a time on it. Let's call it 12 months, maybe eight, you know, six months. It's been pretty radical in the year, but it's become obvious. You got to be the subject matter expert. And if someone's around you or with you, they have to serve a certain purpose. Otherwise, you got to man up and do it yourself. Jeez. You know, like Instagram. I'm not fucking paying someone to do Instagram. Why can't I do a real man up? Website. Why am I paying someone to do my website? Man up. Mm-hmm. So like, do I yearn to sit up for 48 hours straight watching YouTube tutorials on how to do Squarespace design <laughs> things? No, but at the end of the day, it goes with the territory. So that's, that's more the, that's probably the more specific thing for your audience is the literal is like that philosophy of like needing people versus manning up and doing it yourself. Beauty. Well, Mike, yeah. we appreciate you uh, sharing your perspective. I think it's beautiful what you've created. And I think your story is very unique and a lot of people will resonate with it. That's dope, man. And I'm here, man. So I'm sure you put the links in the descriptions and all that stuff. If anyone wants to reach out, Brooke and I are an open book, man. But yeah. Yeah, where can they find you? They can find, hi, where can they find us? So uh, on Instagram, I think we're, man, we've lost so many Instagram pages. (laughs) I think we're 1922 underscore shop. Um... And then 1922 retail. I mean, if you just Google it, we'll pop up for our website. We're everywhere, man. Just search 1922 Cannabis. We're around. We'll make sure we uh, link you down below. Yeah, get everyone there. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Be great. And that wraps up another episode of 100 Ways to Make 100K. Mike, thanks so much for being on the show. Once again, I'm your host, Javon.ca, and I will see you next week on our next episode. Peace.